Amen. I normally don't light incense. I've never done this before. There's purpose for it, I promise you. This is, I'm not, this is nothing weird that I'm doing here today. If you're new, you're like, what is wrong with this dude? Um, this, this is a sermon illustration that I pray goes okay. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, <coughs> open up to the book of Revelation. <coughs> Go to the book of Revelation chapter 2. This may not be one of my best ideas in the world. Uh, some of you have been with me long enough back when we had the goat on here. And, oh, remember, y'all remember that one? I laid hands on the goat talking about the scapegoat and the goat started peeing and pooping everywhere. Uh, we had a family service, so all the kids were in there for that. They're like, that was the best day ever, Pastor Dave. What did I preach on? Didn't matter. We saw the goat defecate everywhere. Oh, Revelation 2. Uh, I, just, I do want to recognize uh, that today is the Sanctity of Life Sunday. And uh, we are a church that celebrates life. We celebrate all life. And we also take the time to really focus and pray for the unborn. And uh, if you are wanting to be a part of a non-political event prayer rally today at Kalamazoo Christian at 3 o'clock, um, dress warm, um, but, but show up and uh, just be prepared just to join. That's what I said. It's next Sunday. Be prepared for that. So I'm going to pray next Sunday over the Sanctity of Life Sunday because my days are completely, uh, they're all janky right now. Goodness gracious. Thank you, Rob. He is uh, heads up right to life in Kalamazoo County. So we'll do that next week. So next week, 3 o'clock, mark your calendars. Goodness gracious. I mean, Jeff was talking about at the start of our, our prayer, a week of prayer on the 23rd, and he said next week, and I panicked. And I'm like, no, that's in two weeks. Nope, that is next week. I am all over the place, but what I'm excited about next week is what we're going to do is we're going to actually have you sign up to pray. And what we're wanting to do is mobilize your homes as, as places of prayer for the whole week from the 23rd all the way through the 30th. And we're going to have you sign up for times of the day. And our goal is that morning, noon, and night from the 23rd all the way through the 30th is we are going to have people from Kalamazoo First interceding and praying over our community and over our church. Man, that's really, really smoky behind me. So, you, this will all make sense at the very end of the service, I promise you. There is this funny story, old proverb funny story, uh, that I had heard a while ago about an African king. And he had a servant that had been with him most of his life, and that servant became a very close, if not a best friend. And so, one day they were... Uh, they were out just about doing their thing. And now this servant has the habit of every single time something happens, good or bad, he will simply say the words, it is good. It is good. Now, it could be the worst thing happened, it is good. The best thing happened, it is good. That's just his reply. And so one day they're out hunting and he's out with the king and the king is hunting and the king sees game and he goes to shoot the game and something was in the barrel of the gun and the side of the gun blows out and takes off his right thumb. And he's looking, he's holding his thumb, and he looks at the servant, looks at his friend, his, his friend says, it is good. And so he gets enraged. I just lost my right thumb, and that's what you're going to say. He throws his servant into prison, and there a servant sits, all for saying the words, it is good. So a year later, he decides to go hunting, and so this hunting party goes out, and he's, he's out hunting, and while they're out, they are jumped by a tribe of cannibals that capture all of them, and they want to eat the king first. And so go, they go to eat the king, and they see that his thumb is missing. 
And cannibals are a bit superstitious, and so because something was missing, they automatically think, well, this is not good to eat, and so they release the king. And so the king makes his way back to the palace, and he begins to realize, you know what? It was good that I lost my thumb because it saved my life. And then he remembered the one that he threw into jail the year before. So he goes down into the prison and humility shows up to his friend and he says, listen, I need to tell you what just happened. I went there, the cannibals came in, they saw my thumb missing and they, and they, they denied me, they threw me out and I've come back and my life was saved because something good happened a year ago and I couldn't see anything good but you saw that it was good so I'm here to tell you the cannibals didn't eat me and I'm here to confess that you were in prison wrongly and what does the servant say to him it is good he's like why do you say it is good tell me why it was good for you to be in prison for a year he says quite frankly if you didn't throw me in prison they would have eaten me I thought it was funnier than what you guys are making it out to be how many of us will go through moments, situations for which something happens and in that moment you could not see or cannot see anything good? How many of us can look back in the rearview mirror of our lives and look at those moments and we could tell ourselves when it happened, none of us could see the, the rhyme. None of us could see the reason. None of us could feel that anything good could have come from it. But now with hindsight of one year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years that now we can look back and say you know what it didn't feel good in the moment but God who is the same yesterday today and forever the ultimate God the almighty God can take anything and turn it around and use it for our good I went through years of abuse uh, spiritual abuse and uh, I remember looking at those five years of my life and I remember thinking to myself could anything good come out of that and now people say well what has shaped you as a pastor what has shaped your life and how you lead and how you interact with people I will tell you it wasn't necessarily how I was raised and it was in one sense my parents did a great job raising me but I look back and how I didn't want to be treated and how I didn't want to be let and those five years shaped me more than any other year my mom loves to, re to remind me those are the refining years because today I want to talk to you about a very sensitive subject and if you're new here I don't always do this my Lord and Savior this is really smoky behind me um, I don't always preach on very 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 what's the word I'm looking for not tough topics but to, I would say touchy topics like the topic of suffering because as we're going through this journey out of Revelation 2 and 3, Revelation 2 and 3 are really seven letters to seven different churches. And Jesus is dealing with these very key pivotal churches of that time. And begins to talk to them about different subjects and different things to help them to move forward for the kingdom of God. Last week we started in Revelation chapter 2 verses 1 through 7. We talked about the church of Ephesus. And the church that had all the great programs, but they didn't, were not walking strong in the love for God or their love for Israel each other and so Jesus challenges them in their love and then we get to the next church the church of Smyrna what a great name love that name verse 8 I write this letter to the angel of the church in Smyrna this is the message from the one who is the first and the last the one who was dead and is now alive I love the way that Jesus begins to speak Jesus immediately wants to recognize who he is to them because if they are going through struggles if they're going through sufferings he wants them to know that the one that's speaking to you is the first and the last the one that went through struggle but came through verse 9 
I know about your suffering and your poverty, but you're rich. I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. They say they are Jews, but they are not because their synagogue belongs to Satan. Man, how would you like God to say that about the church you attend? The church you attend is all about the devil. He's not saying that about Kephers, by the way. Don't be afraid about what you're about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you in prison to test you, and you'll suffer for 10 days. But if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. Anyone with ears must hear and listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. There is a lot of depth to this today, something for which I could probably send, spend a series of messages talking about this subject, but today I've got one Sunday. And so we're gonna go, kind of skim the surface a little bit on a very deep and tough subject. So let's just pray. Jesus, today I just thank you for the opportunity to serve you and to honor you, to sing uh, songs to you, to, Lord, stoke our love and our passion for you. And Lord, I pray in advance over people in this church this morning, maybe here present or watching online that are maybe they're going through seasons of pain right now, seasons of struggle. I ask that you would just be present with them and with us, God, that you would help us to be, to be there for them as community as, as, at the same time. Lord, help them to know that you're near. So Lord, I ask that you anoint this mouth, anoint hearts, let it be all used for your honor and for your glory. We pray this in your name. Amen. The city of Smyrna is, is a very uh, peculiar city. Um, there's a number of historical facts I can give about it, but when I started really studying the word suffering and even connected to the word Smyrna, um, which is still honestly just very fun to say. I've been saying it all week long. It's just fun to say out loud, Smyrna. Uh, Smyrna itself is a city that knows all about suffering. And the reason why is it's, it's known to have been destroyed and rebuilt over and over and over. It is, no, uh, it is located near a tectonic plate so that there are multiple earthquakes that have not just hit the city but have destroyed the city and the people continue to raise it back up. And then invaders would come in as what would happen in those days and come in to invade that city. And one more time, that city had a resolve about it and it would rise back up. And so to the Christians of that city, Jesus is beginning to speak to them about suffering, but they know suffering. But these newer Christians, this brand new church, they didn't know about suffering that, that came from the hands of people that they thought would be friends. Because Jesus identifies there were fellow Jews there in the same city, but they were preaching a different gospel. They were preaching a different gospel that was benefiting them and nobody else. They were preaching something that wasn't about Jesus. And not only were they beginning to make them suffer in terms of community, but all of a sudden the, the Romans were coming on in and beginning to threaten these individuals regarding their faith. And many of them, unless they disregarded their faith and turned away from their faith, they could face imprisonment and or death. This is the subject. It is subject of suffering. And that's why Jesus says, but if you remain faithful, you're going to make it through. If you remain faithful, you're going to make it through. So today, I want to talk a little bit about suffering, and I promise you, I'm only going to be able to skim the surface this morning. So let's break this down. If you're a note taker, I hope you're a note taker, I'm going to give you the most encouraging first point ever in a sermon. Most encouraging word you can ever, that you can ever write down. So number one, write this down. Suffering is not optional, nor does it discriminate. 
you're like, oh, I've been so blessed and favored this morning. This is the word I needed this morning, Pastor Dave. Now I can leave and go about my week and bless other people with this word. Suffering is not optional, nor does it discriminate. Let me say this about pain. Pain and suffering, it does not care what gender you are, what nationality you are, what background you are. It doesn't care about your spiritual resume, how long you've attended church, whether you've got new faith or old faith. It does not care. It, suffering is just a part of what we deal with in this life. Pain is something that we all go through, but we have to be cautious about it. Like when I think about suffering, I wrote down two things. Is number one, we need to be careful how we use the word suffering. Because some of us look at suffering and, and we just, we throw that word out. And let me just say this, suffering is not, um, suffering is not racing to get a front spot at Meyer during the weather and somebody sweeps in and steals your spot. That is not suffering. Suffering is not when you, maybe you post something nice from the service, maybe a quote from the service, and somebody puts an angry emoji on your post. And all day long, you've been seething about that one person. That's not suffering. Suffering is not forgetting it's Sunday and you show up to Chick-fil-A for lunch this afternoon. That's not suffering. Suffering is not sending an encouraging text to somebody and all they give you back is a thumbs up. That's not Suffering. Suffering is not coming to church and somebody is sitting in your usual seat that you always sat in. That's, somebody's like, it is suffering. It is not suffering. We got to be cautious about how we utilize that word. If you want a really big pet peeve for Pastor Dave, it, I, I, there's a word that we have to be cautious on using and it's the word persecuted. I have a hard time hearing the American church use the word persecuted when I hear from missionary friends what they have to deal with all around the world. Persecuted, that's a touchy word for me. Depression is another touchy word for me because I've, I deal with depression and when people, everyone gets depressed, oh, that will send me into all sorts of things. But the word suffering is another one. So we have to be cautious on how we utilize that word, but at the same time, we need to be also cautious about how we define other people's pain. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Because the question always comes up, well, why is there suffering? Why is there pain? It's the age, it seems like the age-old question that has really compromised some people's faith and the other, the other side has built up other people's faith. Why do people suffer? And I wrote down the three ideas that may seem very surface, but I think there's a little bit more depth to them. Um, some suffering, let's admit, some suffering is self-inflicted. Nobody amens that one. <laughs> Number two, sometimes suffering is other-inflicted. I have been to the, ho the hospital and I have met with people who have gone through things with their liver, their lungs, things with their bodies that were self-inflicted. And I've had, pe I'm, I've had people say, how do you pray for them? I pray for healing over them because I believe in God's grace and God's mercy. And I'm going to pray that even though maybe they've done something to their bodies, I'm praying for God's reviving power to come upon their body and to heal them. Because we're a church that believes in healing. And yet I've gone to hospital visits for which it has been other-inflicted. I have visited people who have been abused, people who have been in accidents that were not their cause and visiting and praying through with them so sometimes suffering comes at the hands of ourselves or at the hands of other people but there's a third category that I would just simply say sometimes suffering and pain takes place for no rhyme or reason whatsoever other than that we live in a very very broken world there are some things that I cannot explain to you why 
the purpose, the reason. I, sometimes I can't even find any reason other than we live in a broken world and we as human beings, we are finite and we're broken. But I'm here to say that suffering does not discriminate. Nobody escapes suffering. And you may think that there are certain people in your life that don't escape it by the, by the way that they post on social media. But listen, just what you see on social media doesn't mean that behind closed doors that they're not the most painful person in the world. And there are some people that are coming into the church house and they're walking amongst us in the marketplace and they are suffering. They're going through pain and they're wondering, does anybody care or more specifically, does God care? And one of the reasons why we have you greet before you sit down, one of the reasons why I have you come into the church and uh, leave the church, I should say, and make sure you greet people on your way out because sometimes people just need another person to say hello, to give a smile, and just that presence of a smile, and sometimes just the simple presence of a greeting is that sign from God that says, I've noticed you even though nobody else knows what you're going through. Sometimes people just need to know that God cares. And your smile, your encouragement before you leave can simply be that. Number two, so it doesn't discriminate, but secondly, suffering is something that we have to be careful that we don't compare with somebody else's. Never compare your suffering. Refuse to compare your pain to somebody else because you have to be cautious at what somebody else is doing because you, don't ever know, you never know what they're going through, what they have been through, or they may never have gone through anything like that in their life and you may have perspective they don't have. You may have experience you, that, that they don't have. Perhaps you have a higher pain tolerance than they have. We have to be cautious that we have not been in their shoes and therefore we can't make judgments about them in terms of their suffering. Or there's sometimes I've watched people that have looked at their own pain, looked at the immense pain of somebody else and said, why go to God? Somebody else has it worse. And instead of dealing with their pain, and navigating it with appropriate perspective, they bury it and don't deal with it whatsoever. People may not have your tolerance or your perspective. It doesn't mean that someone's pain is worse or better than yours. Let's just say it this way. Pain is pain and suffering is suffering. See it for what it is. Number three. uh, Yeah, number three. Which leads me to never develop an immune system to the suffering of others. Never develop an immune system to the suffering of those around. Pastor Dave, if you knew them how I knew them, they really deserve that prognosis. Pastor, has that been said to you? Too many times to count. Too many messages and emails. I heard you visited so-and-so. That's their fault. I don't know how you pray for people like that, Pastor. I have gotten stuff like that. And I'm here to say, as the body of Christ, it is easy to get our hearts jaded or callous to things that are happening around us because of what we see in news and media, social media, all of those type of things. It's easy, but in the body of Christ, may we always have tender hearts toward people that are hurting. Because when you reach out to somebody that's hurting, it's not absolving everything that they've ever done, but they need the presence of Jesus coming from somewhere and it needs to come from the body of Christ that needs to come from us because that's one of the gifts that we get from getting into community. Last week we talked about the launching of what we call tables. Some churches call, call them small groups. Some call them groups. We call them tables at the church. And so that's where we have got an outcry that we want to see you gathering in community with one another. We've got people that are wanting to start young marrieds. 
Oh, we want young, we have a group that wants to start young adults. We've got a, a mom that wants to start up one for young moms so young moms can get together and begin to talk and have community. We've got people, where someone said, hey, Pastor Dave said something about euchre. I want to start a table just for euchre. I'm here to say this, that if we do that, we have to keep acting like Jesus because the fruit of the Spirit doesn't stop just because you got trumped. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. So if you want, if you're interested in starting a table, we need community because it's at the table. Now listen, it's at the table where we can find healing. I remember sharing this before. I remember being on, we were on the softball team back before I retired from church softball. We were at the softball game and we were getting ready before the, uh, at the end of the game and one of the, ta- uh, the teammates came over and said something to me. He said, man, I've got this going on. I need some prayer. And I said, hey, would you mind if I shared that with, with the other teammates? Absolutely. And I said that and all of a sudden the softball team, after the game, we are sweaty, we are dirty, but we're laying hands upon him and we're speaking life over that individual. I'm here to say that we can play euchre, we can do Bible study, we can do whatever, but we need each other. And I have never seen this more than when people are going through suffering. Back in November, uh, early December, I lost a very good friend of mine, one of, my, one of my groomsmen, to COVID. And I remember being at the funeral and talking with individuals, and this was just so cool is I found out that when, when Jason, when my friend, uh, was going through a rough time, in fact, he was going through a divorce, um, this is adultery going on, and, and, and oh, it's just such a mess. And I began to talk with people at the funeral, and I found out that what got him through, what got him through the brokenness of his marriage and the brokenness of his heart, it wasn't what the pastor was saying, it was his table, his group. And when he was fighting for his life, the messages that kept coming in, the people that were sending out prayers, that nobody could really visit with him, but people were sending him texts, people were sending him messages to just keep speaking scripture over him, to keep speaking life over him. Do you know who was doing that? Yes, the pastor was doing it, but know who's doing that 10 times more? It was his group. It was his table. And in fact, they had them stand during the service and the pastor gets up and over here, there were two rows of people that stood up that have fought alongside of one of my best friends. And I'm here to say that when people are suffering, we can't do suffering alone. And how do we defeat people from being alone here at the church? We're gonna gather at tables. We're gonna gather at groups. We're gonna find community. And if you wanna be a part of that, we need you to sign up. If you wanna lead one, we need you to sign up. If you need in the, in the lobby on our iPad, the sign up is there and available. And on the 13th of February, after service, we're going to feed you and we're going to teach you how to start a table. Why? Because we need community. It was an Austrian psychologist that was prominent in the 1930s and 40s. His name is Viktor Frankl. He wrote the best-selling book, Man's Search for Meaning. And back in the 40s, he was given a task to work with Holocaust survivors that that were in this hospital that were suicidal and broken. They needed to take care of these survivors. But in psychology of that day, they were kind of hinging off of what Sigmund Freud had said, which means that life is all about pleasure. And so if we can somehow give them sensations of pleasure, we'll give them their, their humanity back and it may help them. And so Victor was told, take them out for ice cream, which I believe does fix a lot of things in life. Teach them checkers. Go for a walk with them. Whatever gives them pleasure, find ways. And Victor had a different mode. He began to really identify that pleasure wasn't necessarily the thing that drove them. It was purpose. 
He developed something called logotherapy. And then logotherapy taught three things. And he says, if you can do these three things for individuals who are in suffering and pain, it will actually change their lives. Number one, give them a, some sort of work that has meaning to it. Give them work that has meaning. Let me bring it to the church world. You want meaning? Get involved somewhere. Be in first impressions. Work in tech. If you sing like me, stay off the stage and work in tech. If you sing, you play instruments, talk to Emily after the service. If you want to bless children, bless the kids and get involved in nursery and kids. Get involved as a youth leader. Get involved as a prayer warrior on the prayer team. Find something that gives you meaning and serve there. Secondly, he says, so find a place that, that, that has meaning and serve there. Secondly, they need a set of relationships or community that have unconditional love for them. Why are we doing tables? Why are we doing a small group system? Because sometimes you need a group that's going to love you regardless of whatever is going on in your life. And these people had so much suffering, so much brokenness, and they needed a group that didn't care the why per se, but cared about the who. We love you. We're here for you. And thirdly, he said this, you have to take their suffering and give it meaning. They have to find purpose in life. Because man without meaning, they might find some pleasure, but it will just get them through a moment, but it never gets them through life. Pleasure is wonderful. Pleasure is great. Uh, I, I love doing things for pleasure. That's wonderful. But what gets us through life is purpose. And why we're doing groups and why we, we meet here is because we find our purpose in Jesus. And when we find our purpose in Jesus, we can't help but move that purpose around us. Because what has happened into your life, what maybe has happened into your marriage, what's happened into your family, may have been horrible. And maybe you're going through a season of suffering. But if we could begin to, be, begin to recognize that the thing that wants to destroy you, God can use to grow you and to build you and to bring you through, God will show you that there can be purpose to your pain. We may not be able to give you a why of why the pain happened in the first place, but I've learned that God never wastes our pain. And the pain that was meant to destroy you can be the platform that God can utilize to, to shape your life and the people around you, which leads me to number four. Suffering does not have to have the last word. Suffering doesn't have to have the last word. You've been through pain, I've been through pain. You've been through suffering, I've been through suffering. But I'm here to say that God proves himself to us through the suffering that we endure. God is not absent from your suffering. God's right there in the middle of it. I, I did a funeral yesterday, honored. I get honored every single time I'm asked to do a funeral. And one of the scriptures that I lean into every single time is Psalm chapter 34, which talks about that he is near to the broken, that the suffering and the pain that we go through, it doesn't push God away. It doesn't keep him at a distance. He doesn't wait for us to get through it in order to come close. But there's something about our suffering and our pain that Jesus draws closer to you and to me. He draws close. I love this quote from Helen Keller. She says, although the world is full of suffering, it is also full of the overcoming of it. We can look at suffering one of two ways. It, it, can, it either press us to break or it could push us to break through. It could press us to break or it can push us to break through. 
This past week, I got an awesome chance to sit down with a former student of mine and his wife to hear what God has been doing in their life. And, and, and he had no clue what I was even preaching on this Sunday, but he began to share about some of the tough things that him and his wife have dealt with over the past few years. And at the very end, I'm like, how do I bring up that I would like him to do a video testimony? Uh, we prayed together. He says, Pastor, I don't know if this would matter, but could I video my story for you? And would that at all be used on a Sunday? And I'm like, man, this is just a God moment. So today, I want to introduce you to two amazing people in my life. Michael and Kaya, and I want to hear, I want you to hear their heart, their story, and their testimony about the issue of suffering. Hey, K First, I'm Kaya. This is Michael. Good morning, everyone. We are so excited to be a part of your service this morning, and we are honored to be able to share some of our story. Yeah, I think it was back in the summer of 2019. I started to have a lot of pain in my lower back. And it progressed pretty quickly. Like I was trying to do physical therapy thinking like, oh, maybe I pulled a muscle. But it got to the point where the pain was so bad, it was affecting my work and it would keep me up at night. I couldn't sleep. Finally, I listened to my wife and I went to urgent care and I was shocked when they said to me, oh, there's a tumor the size of a baseball on your lower spine. So meanwhile, I'm at home and I'm nine months pregnant. I'm six days away from our due date with our third child. And so <laughs> Michael goes into the hospital on Wednesday. Two days later, Friday morning, my water breaks at 5.15. Yeah, I remember getting that text and I was like, are you kidding me? But it was unbelievable. All those tests came back over the next few weeks and the report was not great. It's, Michael, you have stage four Burkitt lymphoma. Uh, these tumors have spread through your lymph node system all over your body. And I remember the doctor coming and saying to us, hey, if this treatment doesn't work, um, you're gonna be paralyzed within four weeks and you're gonna be dead in a number of months. And now that doctor didn't have a third category, which we knew about, which was God. Kaya's at home with I'm a just, newborn. Yeah. I'm going in and out of the hospital. I start this like aggressive regimen of chemotherapy and all, all of the things that come along with that. and not just the physical, it's the, the emotional of going through, like, Lord, is this it? Will I get to walk my two daughters down the aisle someday? Will I get to look my son in the eyes as he becomes a man and say, like, you have what it takes, and encourage him in that way, and just all of these things, like, um, I'm just wondering, you know, I have three kids and, uh, you know, a family to take care of and am I going to end up doing that alone? Am I going to be a single mom? Um, are my kids going to grow up without their father? You know, those were just some of the things that I was thinking of and just... We're just faced with that reality yeah. uh, uh, in our 30s that we didn't expect of life and death. I would describe it as a beautiful season. Not because cancer's awesome or chemo's super fun, but because we saw God take something really bad and turn it into something really good. Yeah. I mean, some of the things that we saw God do in our, in our lives and our hearts were just the growth of faith we had. Mm -hmm. And the peace that he filled us with, the peace that passes understanding. Remember how many people were like, so many people were praying for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, just coming around us, like sharing the love of God with us. Like we saw the love of the body of Christ in a way we've never seen before. Yeah. 
and even just our realization of how much we need God. Yeah, yeah. and like in, I remember like our eternity mindset, mm-hmm. like thinking more about the future and not just being so focused on like this earth and what's going on in my life right now. And uh, I don't know, you want to give everyone an update like where we're at now in 2022? So we are just a couple months away from Michael being cancer free for two years. Yes, praise God. We are thankful for that. (laughs) Yeah. I think I want to leave all of you guys with this, that it's easy for us to look back now, especially in like just be thankful and positive about the things God did in our lives, but suffering is real and we haven't even suffered that much. Like compared to some people I knew who have had like years of chronic pain or abuse in their past or uh, just broken relationships and difficulties. And I think I would wanna leave you all with the encouragement if you're in a season of suffering, of to lean into what and search after what is the purpose of God because we know that he has good plans for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but to give you hope and to give you a future. And it's easy for us as humans to be thinking about like, well, what's the cause? Or like, why did we get cancer? Why did we have to go through this? Um, It's easy to get dwelling on that, but that's backwards past thinking. Causes are in the past. And purpose though is in the future. Purpose is future creating. And God is looking to bring good purposes even out of bad things, even out of suffering. And so um, our prayer and our encouragement for you all would be to just pray and ask the Lord, Lord, would you reveal to me your purpose that you want to bring good out of this season of suffering? And take time to listen because I really believe the Holy Spirit, if you, if you ask that with a humble, true heart, he will reveal it to you. Did you hear what, they, the, what Kaya called that moment? Was she called it a, yeah, we can give them a huge hand. They called it a beautiful season. How do you call a season of suffering beautiful? Because God can create purpose out of that. Something that's kind of a cool testimony to even connect to that is they're heading to the mission field. And as of this past week, they are our brand new missionaries that are going to be heading out from Michigan and we're going to actually have them here in about a month or so and have them kind of give testimony but God can take these moments and God can take the toughness the brokenness and create something beautiful see I want you to understand that even though you might be going through suffering this was God's word to Smyrna you're going through suffering you're, gonna, you're going through the testing. You're going through these moments, but it doesn't eliminate you from being used by God. In fact, I wrote it this way. Suffering doesn't eliminate you from being used by God. It becomes the means by which God equips you in your calling. That often God equips us in ways that we never thought. Boy, I need to have my parents up here someday just to share the testimony of when my brother went home to be with the Lord at nine months old. They need to share, and because they would begin to tell you about the toughest season of their life, but yet the beauty that has come out of that. What do you mean the beauty? It's what Genesis 50 says. When Joseph looked at his brothers, they sold him into slavery. They wanted him to be dead, wanted him to be killed. And God turned it around and he said, listen, what the devil meant for evil, God can use for good. Now that word Smyrna, and Emily, I'm going to need you to come. That, that word Smyrna literally means bitter. And the Greek actually translates the word Hebrew from the word 
myrrh. What have you been smelling in this worship center for the past 20, 25 minutes? It's the smell of myrrh. Myrrh, we know from Matthew chapter 2, it was what was brought to Jesus when he was an infant, when he was a child. It's also what they would have put upon the body of Jesus when he was buried. And the idea of myrrh is this. Get this, this is huge. Myrrh only becomes fragrant, not when it's in its, in its original form. And it's, when it's in its original form, it doesn't do much. But when it gets crushed, there is a beautiful scent that comes out of it. There are some things that come in this life and they want to crush you. There are suffering that comes in this life that wants to steal your joy. But I'm believing that this word of, to this church in Smyrna is a word to us today that if, if we will look at suffering for what it is, it's sometimes it's self-inflicted, sometimes it's other-inflicted, sometimes it's just because we live in a broken world. But suffering does not have the last word. Jesus always has the last word. And that thing that was crushing you can actually create something beautiful to come from your life. When the crushing comes, beauty can be birth. And I'm here to say, some of the greatest lessons in my life have come through the darkest days that I have journeyed through. And sometimes, some of the greatest anointing that will come through, through your life is not during the good moments and the mountain high moments, but during the valley moments when the pressure has been applied to you. When the pressure comes, the anointing flows. I love this word out of 2 Chronicles 20.20. 20. Jehoshaphat, king, the king at the time, was going through some of the greatest pressures of his life. And he cries out, believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. One translation says, you'll be able to stand strong. Listen, the Lord never promised we wouldn't have difficulties, but he has promised his presence for whatever we go through. In fact, Pastor Marty said something so wise to me this week. He says, Pastor Dave, God's not the cause of our suffering, but he's okay shouldering the blame. Some of you have gone through a lot and you've blamed God and you think God is mad at you because you blamed God at some point or you're still blaming God. I'm here to tell you, God is not angry at you for throwing the blame his way. He understands our pain and our agony and sometimes he and he even understands we need sometimes need somebody to throw everything on but that leads me to number five the way to find hope and suffering requires that we change the center of our story sometimes there are times that i've had a hard time getting through the suffering because i was at the center of the story and i'm just telling you it's easy to go to the center of the story but one of the things that has brought me hope through years of dealing with issues and walking through terrible moments with people and situations is putting Jesus at the center. It's putting Jesus at the center because these moments are draining. This word to Smyrna was draining. They had gone through enough as a city and now they were going through it as a church. It's draining. And so Jesus is trying to say, keep me at the center. Now this is what's cool is at the very end, he says, if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. That may not seem like a lot to you, but in the city of Smyrna, Smyrna was famous for his, its games. It's what we would know as the Olympics. They had Olympic style games. And they would crown Olympians, champions, with these wreaths around their heads so that everybody who looked at them said they were overcomers. 
In fact, for the local politicians and city leaders, whenever they did something great, they would give them a crown. And Jesus tells them, listen, there is a greater crown. If you'll keep pressing, you'll keep moving forward, you'll keep standing. I'm going to give you an o- a crown. Why? Because you're going to be an overcomer. Keep pressing. You'll overcome. You may not how may not know how. You may not know when. Maybe your story has been like Michael and Caius. Maybe it didn't end as nice. But keep pressing through. The pressing is there. The pressure is there. The pain is there. But Jesus says, "I'll be with you in the middle of it. Keep pushing forward because I'm going to create something beautiful, and I'm going to give you purpose." So would you bow your heads with me? I've been praying all week how to end the service. And first and foremost, there's no, I don't think there's any other way to end a service or to begin to end a service by simply saying this. Maybe you're here today and maybe you're just broken in the, in the life that you're living right now. Maybe you walked in this place feeling hopeless, feeling empty. Maybe that you've walked into this place and there's just been something about the atmosphere and it's not this smell of incense, but there's just something about the atmosphere that's just been maybe foreign to you. Maybe it's something that you experienced years ago as a kid at a camp, but it's what we call the presence of God. And maybe you're here today and you're not in a relationship with Jesus. Maybe because of your own pain in your life that you've turned away from God, you've run from God, maybe you've hated God, maybe you've stopped believing in God, but maybe today you begin to feel the, the presence of God on your life. Old school way is you feel God knocking on the door of your heart. And if you're here today and you're not in a relationship with Jesus, but you're ready to step into one, you're done dealing with pain alone. You're done dealing with life alone. You're done dealing with hopelessness. And you need to give your life to Jesus. Or maybe you need to return back to Jesus because you've just wandered away. If that's you, without any hesitation, would you just lift up a hand saying, Pastor Dave, that's me. I need to give my life to God today. Thank you over here. Thank you off to my left. That's awesome. Anybody else, you're just want, you've wandered away from God or maybe you've never had a faith in God. I'm not asking you to join this church. I'm not asking you to sign on to be a partner. I'm just asking you to put your faith in the one that loves you immensely, that died for you and rose again and he's preparing a place for you. Anybody else, just a few more seconds. If you lift up your hand, would you just pray with me? Would you just pray and just invite Jesus into your life in a very, very deep way? This is all I need you to say right where you're at. Say, Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm broken. But today, I recognize that you died on the cross for me and you rose again. And you're ready to give me new life. And so today, I accept that new life. I accept your forgiveness. I accept your grace. I ask you, Lord, to make me brand new. To make me whole to give me new life in Jesus name the second thing I'm going to ask is this if you're here today and maybe you're going through a season of suffering maybe you're going through a season of pain nobody else has to know what it is I'm not going to ask you to stand up and confess it and shout it out loud but if you're here in the house today and you need prayer You want prayer right here, right now, over that. I'm going to ask that before you stand, I'm going to ask for you to stand in a few seconds. And I'm not saying that anybody's necessarily going to move out to pray over you because we've got some individuals that you've got concerns. And that's fine. 
But if you want prayer, in a second, I'm going to have you stand. If you want someone to come and pray specifically over you and to lay a hand upon your shoulder, then I'm going to ask that you just step out into the aisle. No pressure to do either one. There's no judgment. But I don't want you to leave this place feeling like, well, I've got some suffering. I've got some pain. I've got some things that have been unresolved. I don't know what to do with it. I don't want to leave you without hope. I don't want to let you leave here without being prayed for. So if you're going through a season, a tough season, a painful season, a trying season, if that's you, would you just stand to your feet right where you're at? And a couple people, that's wonderful. Anybody else? Sickness, marriage, finances, family. If you want to stay in your seat, that's totally fine. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray over you. But if you would be okay with people praying over you, would you just step out into the aisle right where you're at? And, and Janice, I know we didn't organize this at all, but if we've got prayer team members, staff, spouses, board members, former board members, people that know how to pray, would you just move out to those in the aisle and just put a hand upon the shoulder? And if they're not in the aisle, then, then, then you know, Pray from the distance. That's cool, too. That's cool, too. So if you're not standing, could you pray right where you're at? You don't have to know the need to pray. You have to know the situation to pray. But let's just begin to speak the name of Jesus in this place. Let's just begin to speak the name of Jesus over these situations. Let's just begin to pray for healing virtue to flow through people's hearts. Let's begin to pray for encouragement over their lives. Let's speak against worry and anxiety. Let's begin to speak over bitterness and hurts. Begin to speak hope into the questions that seem like they could have never, ever have an answer. And let's, let's let them hear you praying. Pray in English. Pray in the Spirit over them. There's some of you that, that you've got. You've, English is not your first language. Pray in your first language. Let's just let the name of Jesus just be just prayed over every individual in the house today. Lord, right now, I pray over people that are going through seasons of, of suffering. Like the church in Smyrna, they were going through pressures that were coming from, it seems like every side, pressures that were happening. Lord, a city that knew pressures that came from underneath the ground through earthquakes, that came from without, from invaders and people, God. The church that was going through pressures from the culture to, to renounce their faith and to abandon their faith in Jesus, God. And they were going through this tough time. And Lord, we take on to the words that you spoke that don't give up. Jesus saying, I'm with you. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the first and the last. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. There's hope. And the pressure that wants to cause them to break, God. And Lord, I don't believe it's going to cause them to break. Lord, like carbon going through pressure creates a diamond. I pray that this pressure would not be the thing that would break them, but would be that which would make them into a stronger man and woman of faith, knowing, God, that you have not left them. You've not abandoned them, God. That you're going to walk with them, God. Even to the end, you're going to walk with them. And Lord, you're going to develop a testimony in them that's going to give them purpose and vision, God. Lord, I pray that right now over every individual, God, struggling with what they're dealing with, God. 
I pray that you would begin to give them purpose. You give them eyes to see that that which the enemy would love to use to break me, God, you're going to use to build my faith and use me in ways. God, they're going to start praying. The devil's going to pay a price for what he's done. He's going to start paying a price for what he's done to this body, what he's done to this marriage. He's, Lord, you're going to redeem the years that the enemy tried to steal and to devour. You're going to redeem it, Lord Jesus. Lord God, you're going to draw our, our kids back to you. You're going to restore marriages that people thought were lost. God, you're going to restore bodies that were thought to be broken and unsalvageable, God. Lord, you're going to redeem hearts that have, that, that have missing individuals in their life now, God, that those hearts need to be healed and brought to hope again. You can do it, Jesus. You can do it, Jesus. You can do it, Jesus. So, Lord, I just pray over every heart, every spirit today, that we would have this encouragement that there is one that conquered hell, death, and the grave. And he is not just around us, he is within us. He walks with us. And Lord, I pray that today just crown their heads. Crown their heads with victory. Crown their heads with victory, God that'll carry them in and through the valleys that want to annihilate them and want to devour them and bring them through for the glory and for the honor of Jesus Christ. We say to you, the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be the honor and glory forever and ever and ever. And everybody said,